Listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today in the program, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about cannabis and pets. And here to talk about her experiences with her dogs is Marjorie Elias, who joins us from New Jersey. Marjorie, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. How many dogs have you owned over the years? Oh my, um, you know, I've had a dog ever since I've been in kindergarten, so you've spanned that out through my 50-some years. I mean, I've had, you know, probably roughly a dozen, um, and uh, the last three really have had um, advanced cancers that I've treated. You know, when you're younger, you don't know things, you don't know what your options are, and, and you know, as I've aged and and had pets with cancer, um, I've learned um, different treatment routes. So the last the last three, the most important in, in my learning curve, and the last one in particular, who I treated with cannabis. Let's uh, go through the last three. Can you take us through them one at a time? Um, I can. Um, so the, the first of the last three, she had, um, she had lymphoma. Boy, I gave her two rounds of chemo. The last um, heavy-duty treatment was um, radiation treatment that uh, actually drove her to Fort Collins, Colorado for that. And, you know, I didn't know much then about nutritional supplements or anything holistic or healthy, but I did read about SCACT, so I gave her the SCACT. And actually, she I think it helped with her remission because there was a real long space between the first round of chemo and the second. And I, I remember the um, hospital in Minneapolis telling me that whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because it's it's working. And so there was like, I don't know, I'm going to say like about almost a year where she where she had her, you know, between her first and her second. And then after that second, second round, you know, then things got kind of dicey because she didn't stay in remission as long. Marjorie, um, what's the um, just ballpark figure cost of treating a, a dog with uh, chemo oh, and radiation? It is outrageously expensive. I think, um, in my experience, just off the top of my head, you know, give or take, I think we're looking at probably around twenty thousand dollars. Wowie! Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? And it's that. It's not just. It's the chemo. It's the additional charges. It's the recheck fees. It's the you know an additional yeah. pharmaceutical they're going to throw in there. It's it's all the other stuff that you try to do along with it too. So and and when we get to the second dog who had an experimental, I, I, and I hope I'm saying it right. It was a telomerase vaccination. It was an intermuscular injection. It cost me for him. I know I'm jumping ahead, but in addition to the first round of chemo, it was seven thousand dollars just to have the medication flown in from italy and then it was like another seven plus to administer it so it it gets really expensive when when we're now adding on that experimental on top of the chemo boy i can tell you're a dog lover 
<laughs> they're, they're my babies. They're your babies. What, what kind of dog was your first dog? Abby was her name, correct? Yeah. Abby was a shepherd mix. Um, my second one that had the experimental and the first round of chemo, he, he was a corgi mix. Um, so, you know, and my third one, she was a purebred, so it really just cuts across, I think, yeah. all, all types of species or, uh, you know what I'm saying, um, yes. breeds. You know, I was interested in your uh, reference to SEACT, and the reason I was interested in it is because my father and all of his brothers ended up with prostate cancer. And they say most men, uh, once they reach past the age of 80, will have some form of prostate cancer. But his elder brother took SEACT, and his PSA levels started to decrease, and he continued taking SEACT. He'd have it in the morning and have it in the evening. How did you administer the tea to your dog? Um, well, first I bought, you know, it comes in a bottle already pre-mixed. I bought that, and I had a little syringe and I would fill up the syringe and, you know, just put it, open up her lips, put it in the side of her mouth in between the gums and the teeth and just slowly, um, you know, slowly press it in her mouth until she swallowed it. And she's, all my animals have been so good with taking, you know, everything I've given them. They've really just, I've been lucky in that regard. Um, then I, I bought the packets. I was able to find um, the, the tea mixture in sealed envelope pouches, and then I would um, I'd cook it over the stove, and that helped save a little bit of money. Yeah. Now your second dog, Baxter. Tell us about Baxter. Oh, Baxter! He was my love. He um, he just you know again, what a trooper. Uh, grade four lymphoma. He just was really tired one day. Um, felt enlarged lymph nodes on him, took him in, and, and you know, we went from there. Um, so I, I did a round of chemo, but but now I I was a little more savvy about things. Um, I still was going the traditional medical model, and so that led me into this experimental telomerase vaccination, um, which the doctor was then placed him. He wrote a paper, and, you know, because not many people... I, I don't think could afford to do this, but uh, so he was enrolled in this in this trial experimental drug, which is the the medicine from Italy. It was flown in, stored at uh, Cornell, and so this was in upstate New York. Um, I would drive him there from New Jersey, and he would stay all day for this treatment. Um, and th- but again, this was he had the chemotherapy. He was in remission, and I wanted to keep him in remission, which is why I was then seeking out other things that I could do, and I found that. So while he was there, he received this treatment. I was shopping at a local co-op, and I happened to meet a woman who, we, you know, we start talking, and she said, told her, you know, I chit-chatty in the grocery store, and um, so much valid and useful information, I'm convinced, happens at the produce aisles of the grocery stores. But um, so she told me about this this wonderful doctor that had treated her cat when everyone had given up on the cat, and and she gave me um, her name and number. Well, it was on the back of a business card. I couldn't find it. Years, you know, a year went by or so. Baxter still was in remission, finished his experimental treatment. And I thought, I need to boost him somehow naturally. You know, I'm, I, I'm like tapped out and I, I need to do something that I can afford and that's better for him, which I'd prefer to do. Anyway, I found the card 
I ended up calling um, this veterinarian. She's an integrative vet, and uh, and she started seeing Baxter. And then we placed him on um, nutritional support. We wanted to get his um, immune system up. We always did blood blood labs to to check to see where he was and tweak what he needed. And uh, and she three years, you know, on top of a, a grade four, stage four lymphoma, and he. Uh, and he lived, you know. How old was ba- How old was 14. Baxter when he was first diagnosed? Then eight. Uh, well, eight or had, ten. He had. He was. He was around ten because um, prior to that, uh, we used to live in the Midwest, and I was told that he had a tumor in his chest. But they said, "Oh, don't you know? It's really it's slow growing. We think it's benign, and you know, don't." He was presenting with just an occasional cough. They said, "Don't don't really worry about it." And then they, they, they then there was some like question over whether the X rays they misread them. I, I don't understand that confusion, but at any rate, I I sort of like had that in the back of my mind, but I ignored it. And then with the lymphoma presented, um, I didn't really think that the two were related, but they probably could have been. There was something brewing in his little body that he couldn't sustain himself, and I think the the lymphoma um, sort of emerged, but. Um, so I treated that, and I would not uh, agree to any kind of a biopsy of the lung because I didn't want them to nick the lung. I didn't, you know, he could bleed out. There were so many other risk factors. So we just went with the um, treatment for lymphoma and, and enhancing his immune system. But he, at the end, you know, I don't know. I don't think he died so much from the lymphoma, although they were probably related. They, they maybe the cancerous the lung tumor was cancerous i don't know i just know that it grew to the point where it just was squeezing his airways and he died um i think more from that although they could have been and probably were related but um it was interesting that always to me that the rest was in check and it was that initial mass that sort of just overtook him marjorie you talked about the telomerase vaccinations what is the purpose of those it was, you know, I, I have to plead a little bit of ignorance. I don't, I don't know. Um, other than they had, they had determined that it attacked a certain cancerous protein, and and they were um, postulating that that would Is keep it, the cancer at bay yeah. or treat it. Now, when you've had so many dogs over the years and you lose one, it must be quite emotional for you. Oh, absolutely. And then you just go out and get another dog, and you attach yourself emotionally to that animal as well, right? <laughs> you know, for me, it's a little bit of a process. I mean, I I have to allow myself time to grieve, and because and, I'm not replacing that animal. That animal can never be replaced. That's, you know, it's my family member, my kid. I mean, honestly, they're, they're just, they're, they're unique, each and every one of them, and they're their own personalities. And, and you know, so I... I sort of have like one, maybe two at a time. I overlap a little bit. I like to give, you know, a current pet some companionship too for when I'm not there. I think it must be lonely for them to be by themselves. So, so I sort of do it like that. Um, and I find I wait till I find the right one. But ultimately, it's a perpetual lesson in heartache and, and grief. <laughs> well, the nice thing about uh, animals is they're non-judgmental. They love you for who they are, for who you are. They- they are the best source of love that I could ever imagine. Yeah. They they are. Now, your next dog, Tula. Tell us about Tula. Oh, Tula. Yes. 
my baby. She um, she just passed actually uh, a few weeks ago, maybe going on a month. Um, she she had cancer uh, again. We don't know what kind of cancer, and we don't know where it's located in her body. But um, so I took her to the same the same doctor that the woman in the produce section recommended for me to take um, Baxter to. So, so you know, my Baxter and Tula I had together. Baxter passed away. Then I, I was left with Tula. And, uh, and they said, you know, let's, um, she said, let's run this test. It's some kind of a marker for cancer presence in the body for canines. It was called the TK1 test. And so and there's a blood draw. I think she sent it off to Texas, I believe, was where the lab was located that analyzed it. And um, came back positive for cancer. I uh, was on the lower end of positive, which at least I, you know, that was a little encouraging. But we started then treating her with, you know, now Tula got no, no chemotherapy, no radiation, nothing. She was only treated with supplements. And then later I went on to introduce uh, cannabis into her um, repertoire of, of, uh, medications but she had i was doing a little little calculation here Tula had a lot of problems though aside from the cancer but and i'll explain that to you but she was on four heavy duty pharmaceuticals two mid-range what i'd consider mid mid-range like thyroid and uh hydro natural hydrocortisone and then she was on 20 different supplements and had had really clean food uh, filtered water, pH balanced. Um, she had, you know, just cruciferous vegetables, organic. I would puree them for her. Uh, Wild caught fish, and and uh, she took uh, Montmorillonite clay. So that I believe is important to help detox her body from the damage being done from the pharmaceuticals, and you know, and from whatever from the cancer from whatever disease she had in her body marjorie sorry to interrupt but how old was uh, tula when she first got ill and also what breed was she tula was a boxer a purebred boxer uh she was diagnosed at i want to say and i apologize not to know off the top of my head she part of it is is i don't know exactly how old she was when we got her she was given to me Mm -hmm. um so I, I we're we're guessing she was around two. So we we put her age at about fourteen when she passed away. So I would say she was diagnosed um, uh, when we well when she was twelve. I'm going to say it was like the last two years, maybe two plus. But again, she wasn't presenting with any symptoms when I started to treat her. And fourteen, I'm going to say, is a long life for. Probably many pets, but especially a large breed dog and especially a boxer. So I, uh, I I do know that she had a great quality of life up till the end, and uh, even with everything that she was on, and uh, and I attribute that largely to obviously the food, the supplements, but also the cannabis, which really, in my opinion, you know, ar- at least arrested. I don't think it ever eradicated her cancer, but uh, you know, she'd you'd be hard pressed to tell that she had it. Well, I noticed in the note she sent us uh, that you say it was deduced that she had brain cancer. I yes. don't know. I don't know how brain cancer works in animals, but certainly in human beings, it's a pretty swift and uh, quick spreading disease. Honestly, I didn't know that. 
Um, <laughs> maybe that's good. I didn't yeah. Well, you, when you're saying that she had two more years, I'm going whoa with a with a brain tumor. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she started having seizures. So we did the cancer test. It was positive. We were treating her naturally. Like I mentioned, the supplements, the diet, the water, the as clean as I could get it. And um, and then she had she had a seizure. And honestly, I, I didn't know what it was. I thought she swallowed something. I didn't, you know, it was scary. I'd never ever witnessed a seizure in a person or an animal, nothing. And uh, we rushed her into the emergency room. And then they diagnosed her, and then that's that's kind of then started all the pharmaceuticals. So then she's now she we started her on Keppra, so which I I consider it a very high dose. Um, she was on let's see, seven hundred fifty milligrams of uh, Keppra three times a day. In fact. I was so worried that it was too much for her that when I found the cannabis, I started, I actually cut her Keppra dose and she, I cut it by a third and she stayed that way seizure free for, I'm going to say eight months, almost a year. Then, you know, then I noticed the seizure again. And so I put her back up to the, and in the whole, it's, it's what I, I said in the notes too, is it's really a dance because you just, you don't know what to do and nobody can really advise you from the medical community on how to effectively use cannabis because they're, they're not open to it. Most people, the, the ER where I took her, you know, they were concerned that I had reduced her for so long um, on just the two pills, but you know, it worked for her. So it was like a, it was a, you were playing. I'm going to reduce it by this. Now I'm going to increase the cannabis by, by this much. This is what, what in my experience from treating her, this is what I think will help. This is, this is, and I read, I read, I called experts that wrote articles on the phone. You know, most of them called me back. Not all could help or, you know, or they would try or they gave me their opinions. And so people have been really great, but there's not that one centralized source that you can go to for this. When you were giving your dog cannabis, in what form was the dog taking it? I understood that to treat any kind of a brain cancer that it needed to be sublingual, right, under your tongue so that it would pass the blood-brain barrier. So now I'm trying to think, how am I going to get the dog to hold a tincture under her tongue? It's just not really going to happen. So I um, I gave it to her in a tincture form. I, she would lick it. I thought at least if I could get it in her mouth, let it go through you know, her tongue, get absorbed somehow through the mouth, under the tongue. Sometimes I take my finger and I try to put a little under there and I would just take her water away from her because then she'd want to go and made her thirsty. So I would let her, let it linger in the mouth as long as possible. And um, so that, that was the best thing that I could do. There was a point when she, the seizures increased later toward the end of her life that I just, I then took the full extract oil and just dabbed it on my finger and tried to get it on her gums and under her tongue and tried to do it that way. But she had built up a sufficient tolerance. I do want to mention when I started her on that, it was, you know, very slowly. I, I initially, I, I started with a CBD rich uh, cannabis paste. And um, but then I, I realized in studying and reading that the THC was needed to kill the cancer. So it was the CBD is great for her arthritis and for other ailments that she had. And, you know, maybe it would make her a little less loopy. I don't really know because 
Um, I didn't use it consistently once I started on the full extract oil, which was made into a tincture. So it was a vegetable uh, glycerin made with the oil. And then the woman that I would get that from, she, we, you know, she treated other, um, people with cancer, other pets. And we, we, we talked and since have become friends and, and, you know, we still even discuss cannabis as a maintenance uh, tool or as a, like a preemptive for, for just health in general for like future pets that, that I will have. And do you know what I mean? Or other people's pets. So, and I will definitely incorporate that to try to just prevent this from happening again and maybe if it does maybe it won't be so severe Severe, yeah marjorie how did uh, tula respond to cannabis oil when you first started giving it to her i so okay the cbd paste fine that was not not an issue with her she was just eating you know nothing with thc in it so when but when i i knew that i needed something stronger i actually got the oil and and I wasn't thinking about the blood-brain barrier, so I was thinking, okay, let me just get this oil in her. So she started off with um, like point, it was point zero two, like which is just really not a lot of oil in a capsule, and and I gave it to her, and I thought, oh my god, oh my god, the dog, she just like was just like out, you know, and then I'm like, because it was the first time she really had. The, anything with THC in it. And I was worried. Oh my God, I thought my, if I hurt the dog, but you know, she slept it off. And, and, and then, you know, as I, as I'm talking to my friend that's preparing this, we said, you know, I said, what, what am I thinking? She's, she's got it in the brain. We need, it needs to go through her mouth. So we went to the tincture and we started slow. So, you know, she was, I'm, I'm very cautious with things, um, especially after that, that first capsule, I was like, this is, you know, this is powerful stuff and it's, it's medicine and it's gonna, you know, and it's foreign to her body right now. So the tincture, so I gave her like an eighth of a teaspoon. I got my measuring spoons out of my cooking utensils and I gave her that, you know, I think, yeah, probably twice a day. Then I might play it, what may do three times a day. It would just depend on how I thought she was she was um acclimating but she so if you start out slow you know they acclimate fine it's it's all about knowing where you're getting the product from so i so starting her at an eighth up to like a quarter of a teaspoon three times a day and then from there it went to a half and then from there it went to one and at the very end i was on one teaspoon six times a day and sometimes with added full extract oil, if she was really having trouble with um, the seizures, and she was, they did increase. They, she went from one every one once in eight months to eventually it was you know every two weeks I think. So the, it told me the cancer was spreading. I needed to get more into her as much as I felt was safe and as much as she could tolerate. And she, she did at the end, she had a tolerance, like, you know, you wouldn't believe, but you, you just, I have to stress, you really have to know your product, know how strong it's made. Cause I would say, Hey, you know, I'm going to need a little, so I need something stronger for her. So, so rather than me giving her in the beginning now, now the six, teaspoons that was of the the double strength tincture so but rather me giving her like 12 you know i could give her six because i knew you know i knew who prepared it i knew you know as much as she knew the quality of the product that she was getting and uh and then i could dose 
accordingly. You, but it's it's you have to just you know you have to weigh it and play with it and talk and discuss because you don't really know. It's not lab tested. When you were doing that, uh, the full extract oil, did you have um, uh, somewhat of an idea what the level of THC versus CBD in it was? You know, I don't. I did not know. Mm. Well, your dog, uh, it sounds like, probably may have died earlier had you not given Chula the cannabis oil. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. In fact, when I took her in, the the last journey we took into the clinic when she just, you know, she just was, poor thing, she, her body was just so tired, but she, she just... She had, I was unbelievable to me. I, I honestly, I'll never forget this. Um, the vet told me I was very upfront to, with the emergency clinic, especially my my integrative vet. She knew what I was doing, and 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 she was, just, you know, she believed in it. She was fine with that. But the um, the clinic, just a traditional vet clinic, and they they have specialty services as well. Because Tula was a patient with the neurology department and also the um, cardiology, which I probably we should talk about that in a second because I, I want to just talk about her heart issues and my concern that, that I had with um, any elevation of her her heart rate. I was always very concerned about uh, the cannabis. But but back to the story, my point is that the, the vet, the emergency vet that treated her the last time, she said, you know, we really don't think Tula has brain cancer because if she did have have cancer of the brain, you know, it's highly unlikely that she would have survived um, this long without treatment. And even with treatment, you know, she wouldn't have survived this long. And I said, I don't want to make her have cancer, but she does. I, I've had the test done three times. And, you know, they, those same results keep coming back, that, that it's positive and that she has it. And I, you know, but... I said, I think that's what it is, and I think that's why she's alive. And she said, Well, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't have an MRI done, so you can't really say that that it was there. And I said, True enough. But it's interestingly enough, they are the ones that told me, Well, gee, she tested positive for cancer, and she's having seizures, so we really think it's in the brain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. you know, traditionally, I know certainly in human beings, that's a classic sign of uh, brain cancer, and then you have that increase in in uh, seizures. Yeah, kind of goes hand in hand with the disease, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think with traditional medicine, is they don't want to admit that they don't have the answers, and uh, I guess you know they've gone through traditional training for many, many years, both vets and medical doctors, and to have someone come along and use cannabis, which, as we all know, has been used for thousands of years for health purposes, and have it work better than traditional medicine. Uh, it really challenges the medical profession and the veterinarians, although there are some in both professions who are willing to to embrace cannabis and say, yeah, you know what? It works. Try it. I've only had one one doctor say that, um, and that was her, her primary um, integrative care physician. And then a couple at the emergency room were, like, mildly curious, and then the rest have just been, like, it was just like you could see the door just slamming shut, like, you know, well, I, I, I can't make you not do it, but, you know, it's not, don't really get your hopes up, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. not studied, it's not this, it's not that, and, you know, so... 
Yeah, we talked to uh, Jordan Tischler, who's a Harvard-educated doctor, worked in emergency. He was an emergency physician for the VA in the United States, and uh, he now deals with cannabis. And he said one of the things that surprised him when he was a VA physician was that nobody ever came in to the VA that was harmed by cannabis. Alcohol, sure. Cannabis, no. And that got him curious. So for 15 years, he started studying it, and now he's a cannabis doctor. And Hmm. when we asked him about the studies, about the medical profession saying there aren't enough studies, he says if you go to PubMed, there are over 26,000 studies on cannabis. 26,000. And for alcohol, there are 5,500. Yet alcohol is part of our culture. But cannabis, for most people, is considered to be the equivalent of heroin and crack cocaine. It's crazy. No, I agree with you. In fact, talking about substances at harm, I, I did want to mention this with Tula. Um, boxers are prone to, well, cancer and also heart disease. And she had ingested um, a, almost a pound of high highly caffeinated coffee that I had. And I didn't realize how toxic it was to dogs. I I don't know why it never just didn't occur to me. And it never had happened in the past. And she, she was pacing all night and, and she was just really in a state. And I took her to the emergency room in the morning. They were frantic. They, Oh my God, this is, this is toxic. She could die. They, they um, admitted her put her on an IV, tried to flush it out of her system. It, and turns out, though, that they did check her heart, and she had um, an arrhythmia, and they weren't sure that that, that it, they said it could have been caused by the, the high dose of coffee that she ingested or that it could have exacerbated an underlying condition since they're prone to those or who knows. They just or they didn't know or maybe it did nothing, and she always had this, um, this heart problem. Um so, but anyway, she was in a heart arrhythmia, and they put her on a pharmaceutical. But it's interesting, you know, you're talking about uh, cannabis, you're talking about alcohol, and here's coffee that how many of us drink, you know, I'm sure it can, you know, if a person has too much, it could probably throw them off kilter too, but for her her size weight, and, and it, it really affected her, that's one thing I wanted to mention in terms of harmful substances and what is or what isn't here, coffee is the thing that damaged her. All of her treatment with cannabis only helped her. And um, the second point is, is that I just want to caution anybody. Just it's a dance with the pharmaceuticals too. I felt she needed to have. She would have died without regulating her heart arrhythmias because she was. She was off. I mean, her heartbeats were really irregular, and it was the only thing that would stabilize them. But I was also cautious because I didn't know. I was on, and in fact, one of the doctors I had written, it was um, for a human doctor, but he was um, a cardiologist. Do I don't remember his name, but he did some work with cannabis as well. And I, I wrote him and I said, listen, I said, I, I'm reading that the THC can um, increase you know, initially at least, the the heart rate. And I said, I, I just want to be very cautious with what I'm doing. And he felt he felt it was okay. Um, he didn't know of anything that indicated otherwise. For me, I still, you know, he was one person. I still, you know, I don't know. I What I did is I just tried to be smart. So at the end of the day, though, I felt, look, she, she has to take 
the pill for her heart. If anything, it's at least stabilizing her heart arrhythmia. So that's, you know, any any possible blip in the first couple of minutes of ingestion, I, I would think, you know, would would be okay. And plus, she needed it for the cancer. So at the end of the day, it all seemed to be okay. She didn't pass from from a heart arrhythmia. It, it eventually it was the um, the brain cancer and the seizures that got got her. So I I'm feel comfortable with what I'm doing, but from what I did, but I just think, and we just need more studies, you know. And in no way would I I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. I have no issue with that. But there there's sometimes there's mitigating circumstances. You want to be careful. You want to, you know, you want to try to do the right thing because they can't talk to you. And uh, but I have no. No problem with it. I I think that it helps more animals than than we know, you know, because I don't think people are talking about it enough. No, you're absolutely right. So, Marjorie, when are you getting your next dog? Well, I have to tell you, I picked her up at the pound the other day. And she's here with me. And this is fast for me. And, and you know, it, it, she was a rescue. Had I waited for another opportunity, I, it just it was the right time. Um, I, I felt like I was saving her. And she's a boxer mix. So, so what, I, I think what, I'm... What's her name? Her name is Daisy. Daisy. And yes. are you going to give Daisy uh, cannabis for maintenance? I am actually. Um, so she she was at the pound, and I don't know what kinds of horrific things they were feeding her there. I think she was lucky she got any food at all. So um, I want to start to transition her. Oh, sorry, I don't know if you can hear her stretching. Yeah, yeah we hear. Her. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. I mean, ba- based on she's right here with me, she's taking it all in. But um, based on so what yeah, you f- what you fed your other dogs, your uh, your. Uh, filtered water, your nutritional supplements, and oh, you, you vicar- betcha! I mean, uh, I would go to your house. I mean, I'll be a pet for a day or so. <laughs> Jeez, it might not, you know, you might not like the sardines, but they're good for you. So, um, yeah, but I know, but so no, she'll get. She's. I'm transitioning her off of slowly. Just for you know, so no GI problems. So she's had really bad food. So I'm, I'm just doing like a better kind of kibble, and then eventually it's going to be. Um, I I did feed her uh, food called Zeewee Peak. It's like uh, fresh, uh, freeze dried food. I believe it's from New Zealand. Very expensive though. <laughs> I just got to tell you, but if your listeners, it's a great dog food to feed. Um, I gave her the venison, so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna. I'm going to experiment a little bit. I want to make sure she has the right enzymes and things added to the food, um, you know, so that I'm taking care of her nutritional needs. But she will definitely get, she'll get the filtered. And you can buy pH um, balancing drops from the health food store. Just add it to your filtered water. It'll neutralize the pH a little bit. And um, I think that that's important. Um, And the clay, Montmorillonite clay, to detox them. And it's all, it's all safe. It's all read up on it it's all you know it's all out there there's great body of information there's a lot of bad stuff too but you know you'll you 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 find it from enough sources dr mercola josh axe there's lots of people out there that are trustworthy and that can you know when you start to see the same things being reported by those those credible sources you know and and, and a good integrative or holistic vet i think is really important too they can they're your best 
chance at guiding you um, and, and through this maze and and they don't even know 100% because you know they don't they're not able to prescribe cannabis but at least if they're open to it um, you know they're they're a great place to start Marjorie, it was wonderful to talk to you. We appreciate it, and good luck with your your new dog. And, Thank you so much. Uh, he's very lucky to uh, have landed in your household. Yes. Wow. Or she. Is it a she or a he? She. 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 Nope. It's she, a she. She's very lucky. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks very much. All right. You take care. Yeah. Thank you very much, Marjorie. Much appreciated. You're welcome. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.